Clap, clap your hands and stomp your feet. You're listening. You're listening to the Clap Your Hands podcast, hosted by Elliot Shore Parks and Kyle Newbeck. Here they come. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Clap Your Hands podcast, brought to you by Odyssey Sports. Make sure you download the Odyssey app. You get all of our episodes first. Brought to you by Sports Radio 94 WIP. And brought to you today by two guys that did not get invited to Michael Rubin's white party, unfortunately. I feel like I I should have been invited the way I've been defending this team nonstop on the air. But maybe next year, Kyle, will get that invite. Well, does Michael Rubin follow you on Twitter? Important. He doesn't. Okay. He does follow me, which was a not recent development. I would say it happened last season, but I was... Mm -hmm. It used to be a lot easier to know, hey, that's the real so-and-so because it was just the blue check mark. And now it's yes. anybody with $8 is, it could be the fake uh, Michael Rubin. You never know. A couple things off that. One, obviously you're the one that has to DM next year to get me, you, and I think producer James also an invite to the white to party. To the white party. Yeah, so that that's on you next year. But the other thing, I will say the one, there's a lot of things that suck about Twitter now. And this might sound like verified people problems, but it was nice when there was the verified tab and I could actually see like, you know, like my friends, my verified friends and stuff that followed me. Now the mentions are just, it's a complete shit show. My mentions are always a shit show, but now especially. Well, yeah, it was going to say you do it to yourself to a certain extent. I'll say that. And sometimes I don't have a problem with the, I just the app working would be the bar I would like for Twitter to clear. It's a it's a nice bar to set. It was really funny. <laughs> we were texting about this. Like Dame Lillard finally asked for a trade and all of Twitter breaks and nobody can pay attention to the <laughs> for this trade. Like no updates, no nothing. Man, it was super frustrating when I kept swiping to try to get like new rumors and it was like rate limit, rate limit. It's kind of sad how much I realized at that moment my life is so completely tied to Twitter. It's yeah. I also yeah, realized my mic is not plugged in. Do I sound yeah. okay? You sound okay to me. So, you know, I'm right. just going to have to roll with it, I suppose. That's good to know. All right. So speaking of rolling with it, we have not recorded in close to a week. So we have a lot to get into, um, which is ironic because the Sixers have done absolutely nothing. So a lot to get into about <laughs> nothing. Um, let's start with, you broke the story last week. Shout out to you. Not ESPN, not anybody else. You broke the story last week. Uh, that the Sixers would not be extending Tyrese Maxey. And I think that's a good place to start because at this point right now, it kind of feels like everything in the NBA is tied to Dame. And when it comes to the Sixers, that means everything is tied to Maxey. So I'm sure everybody listening has read the story, for, but for those that did not, A, you should go check it out on Philly Voice. But essentially the story was they're not going to extend him this offseason. And then obviously next offseason would be the time where they would presumably do it. So... I guess my question for you is like, A, just what do you make of that? And do you think they're basically just not extending Maxi because they want to trade him? No, I would say no to that. If they're, it's You have to find the truth between the two extremes, right? So their position as it is relayed to me is that they're not going to extend Tyrese because they want to keep future flexibility. It impacts their potential ability to sign uh, a big time max free agent next summer because you know one of the big consequences in a positive way of Harden opting in is that you know either let's say he stays with the team for whatever reason which we'll get to all his uh, yeah. situations in, in a little bit 
Well, let's say he Martin. either stays with the team or you trade him, and most, if not all, of the stuff you get back are expiring contracts, expiring players. If you have all that plus Tobias Harris is expiring, coming off the books at the same time, you then go into free agency and it's kind of a clean slate. And you can say, hey, we have Joel Embiid just won an MVP a year before. We don't know what's going to happen this year. I'd say it's very unlikely he wins MVP again based on the playoff stuff. But you have a guy who's been a constant MVP contender. You have an ascending player in Maxi who will still be on his cheap contract up to that point. And then you have room for there's that second co-star type guy. You can convince him to come to Philadelphia. You have all kinds of money to throw at them in an environment where I think people are going to be more careful about how they spend their money. And so maybe you're able to just say, because we're offering max dollars, that could be enough. Now, the flip side of it is, yes, of course, if you don't sign Tyrese now, whoever you're sending him to they then get to make the decision with regards to his extension and how much or they're willing mm. or able to pay him and things like that. So that offers a future team flexibility as well, just in a different way. And so I do think part of the reason, if you're comparing the Dame Lillard trade packages right now, that the Sixers might arguably have a better one, is simply because Tyler Hero is already on that expensive extension that he signed after yeah. being a first round pick. And not, not a, right. But I'm saying they're at least comparable players in a lot of way, like offense first guys that mm-hmm. don't bring much to the table on defense that hero is making a lot more money. Ergo maxi at this point is a lot more valuable as a trade ship. So mm-hmm. I think there are a bunch of factors to consider. I will also say, and I've said it multiple times, Uh, My friend Jake Fisher over at Yahoo has reported the same. It's come out in all kinds of places that they're not really even considering Tyrese Maxey trades right now. And part of that is, yes, they value him a ton. They think he's a great future core piece, all that good stuff. Also, I think the big name on the market, Dame Lillard, they know not with absolute certainty, but with pretty close certainty that they're probably not going to get him right Mm -hmm. and so if if the big name on the market who's gettable you don't think you're getting him there's no reason to float maxi and that kind of trade offer because all you're really doing is pissing off potentially him and or his agent and the people around him for basically no upside no return and so i think it's a combination of all those reasons that they're at where they're at with maxi so a lot to take from that. I do think there's an interesting discussion to be had that I want to have with you about how Tyrese feels about this. Like whether or not, I think there's a positive and a negative for him. But outside of that, I think a lot of Sixers fans hear that the, the team is unwilling to trade Tyrese Maxey and view it as strictly a negotiating ploy. And don't think for one second that if Lillard, let's say he Miami's not going to happen. He goes, all right, you know what? I'll go to Philadelphia. That for a split, for one second, the Sixers would not do that deal. Now, we've talked on this pod, and I don't know if I want to go as far as this, but of how much they seem to value Tyrese and how I genuinely do believe Daryl Morey, and I think the only time Nick Nurse talked publicly, they seem to genuinely have a ton of excitement about Tyrese as a player. But even I have a hard time sitting here and going, you're not going to trade him for Dame Lillard. So while I agree with your point, 
that part of the reason they can say that now is because they don't think they're getting dinged. So, so what's the benefit of doing it? What I'll ask you is, do you believe that if Daryl Morey was sitting in that, in his chair, the Blazers call, they're like, Dame is willing to come to Philly. He's excited about coming to Philly. You're trading us Tyrese plus whatever to make it happen. Do you actually think the Sixers would say no? I don't know if they would say no. To your point, I think that they'd be a lot more open to entertaining that sort of idea. And that that's what it all comes down to. Like Dame has, he might not have the power that Bradley Beal did with the no trade clause and all that. And yeah, I know that close. Portland, I know that Portland's talking up saying we're going to do what's best for the franchise and this and that. But yes, there is external pressure on them to humor Dame and humor the people around him, quite frankly, to send him where he wants to go. And so Dame having communicated, hey, I want Miami, and saying pretty firmly, this is not like, hey, Miami's on a short list. This is, I want to be a member of the Heat, is what it seems like is being communicated by him, by his agent and uh, his family and the people around him. So when that's the case, of course, like the Sixers and any other team that has a, a good offer, but maybe not the best offer, they're not going to walk to the table and be like, hey, I'm putting this really great young player, young character guy with lots of upside on the table for this guy. They're just not going to do it because the politics of that decision are just not worth it. I think we've seen what can happen with Tyrese's agent specifically if they're upset by the way they've been handled and look, not being given the extension and then your name gets floated into trade talks. I think the Sixers at least have credibility with Maxie and with Rich Paul right now where they can say, we're not extending him, but also he's not available. We're, this is mm-hmm. not a situation where we're just trying to look out for ourselves and flip him to the highest bidder and so on and so forth. And then you're at the whims of wherever you end up, it's very much about we want to make this team as good as it can be. Like that's the message to Rich, to Tyrese, to his parents and everybody that's around him. So I think so far they've managed it well. And I, to your point, yes, I do think it's a different conversation if Dame Lillard wakes up tomorrow and expands the list and says, hey, Philadelphia would be on my list of, you know, three teams or five teams or whatever it end up being. But that's not the world we live in. And so the Sixers are taking the position, we're not moving Tyrese Maxey until or unless there is a real superstar opportunity. And I don't think that's coming. So one thing I've been kind of debating back and forth is if let's just live in the hypothetical world where Dame says he'll come to Philly or it's on the short list, whatever, where the Maxey thing could happen. Should the Sixers do it? I was on WIP today uh, for a full four hours talking about it. And what's surprising to me is a lot of Sixers fans would not. I think the poll ended up like 55% would do it. But I mean, 45% is not a small portion of the fan base. Um, Where I fall on it is, while I think at the end of the day, if I'm Daryl Morey and I'm in that chair, you do the trade. Like Dame Lillard, he averaged 32 points last year. He shot a high percentage on 11 threes. Like you just do it. And I also think, to go back to what Doc Rivers said in his interview with Bill Simmons, like Dame is the perfect point guard to pair with Embiid, in my opinion. If you had to put a list of what that point guard would look like, it is Dame. But I would be lying if I didn't say there's part of me that wouldn't want to do it. I do believe in Maxi taking a big leap. 
If you look at his numbers early in his career compared to other great players, they match up very favorably. He does the one thing that's the most important thing, arguably, in the NBA right now, which is shoot at a high percentage. Um, I value continuity. I think if you look at the teams that have been good over these past few years that have won the title, they've been together a long time. There's not a lot mm -hmm. of teams that were thrown together and went on to either make the finals or to, to win the finals. So while I would probably still do it because I wouldn't be brave enough to say no to Lillard, man, there's a part of me that that wouldn't want to and that would understand not doing it. Where would where would you fall on the Dame thing? My position would be that if you're just getting Dame, and I know it's it's Dame Lillard, he's awesome, future Hall of mm -hmm. Famer, all that. But if you're only getting him and you're trading both James Harden and Tyrese Maxey, you cannot do that deal. That that's wow. just straight up cannot do that deal. I, I think if you're getting Dame and then you're also so essentially how that would work is let's say you're trading James to the Clippers and then you reroute a couple of the guys that they would be trading out in LA to Portland along with Maxi picks, whatever to Portland. And then you just get Dame to me, you don't have a team or the ability to create the team that can actually do something that matters, right? Like I don't think you're, significantly improving your title odds there because having Dame and Joel Embiid is an incredible starting point, but I don't think you're even getting to the point where you can have a real team until another season down the line, because yeah. you essentially have no assets left. All your picks at that point are depleted in service of making this Dame Lillard trade. And you don't like, you've already lost a few critical depth pieces from last season and you sat out the beginning of free agency as you're trying to figure this out. So if we're talking about a situation where it's, hey, you trade for Dame, Harden goes to L.A., and then you take what you're getting from L.A. and you bring the players back with him. So let's say you get a Norm Powell, maybe a Marcus Morris or a Terrence Mann, whoever it is. I think that's pretty unlikely given what they have to give up themselves to go and get Dame Lillard. But that's a little bit more appealing to me, right? You at least have, all right, we have some veterans. We have some guys that can start alongside these guys. And we might be able to go make a run for a title. I just, I don't think that that's possible. I don't think that's the type of trade that would be on the table. So to me, I, would, I wouldn't I would be in the business of making this trade. But, you know, we'll see. We have no idea what the eventual return is going to be for Harden or Lillard or even if Harden is going to get traded in the first place. So well, have to clear that hurdle first. I was going to say, so you say what the return for Harden could be. Last time we recorded, it was, I believe, on the day James Harden asked for a trade. And I said, look, he's gone. There's only a 5 five to 10% chance he's back. You have to get him out of here. I've changed my opinion on that, both on the percentage he's gone, but also what it would be like if he came back. Um, it has been a week since we recorded, so – Let's start with let's let's talk about James Harden and the potential return if there even is one for him. I think in the last week a lot has changed. Uh, the trade has not happened. It got past the July first deadline of where it would have potentially been more advantageous for them to trade James on that day. There's almost no new rumors about teams interested in him or anything like that. And now he's partying in the Hamptons with Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris. Uh, obviously, Michael Rubin's no longer an owner, but if influential figure with the Sixers and Tyrese Maxey, Josh Harris, all those guys are there. So I was say, he was spotted talking to Sixers owner, Josh Harris, Josh Harris which I yes. think is some really important. 
context yes, to add sure. on top of all of that. And the guy that sold his, the guy that bought the um, Michael Rubin stock in the team was also there. So a huge Sixers contingent, nonetheless. Here's my question for you. In the last week, has your opinion changed? What do you make of all this? Do you think James could actually be back? I think he could. I don't think he will, if I had to guess. I think the, and we already discussed this a little bit, but I think it's important to note over and over again that the Sixers have runway right now. They essentially have until late September before anything matters. This Mm -hmm. was not James Harden walking into training camp on the first day and saying, I went out of here. He said it as soon as free agency opened. Now, has this complicated their free agency plans? Certainly. They haven't done much of anything so far. We don't know what's yet to come because of that. And it's all being sort of locked up because we don't know what will happen with James. But they have two and a half months, essentially, to get something done. And it's going to annoy the fan base. It's going to suck if they just have to hear rumor after rumor after rumor and hear the reports from people like Woj saying, yeah, well, there's a, they're entertaining him coming back. Like I can understand that's annoying from a fan base that I think on a lot of levels has just written James off. I do think there's, let's call it like a 15 to 20% chance that James comes back. I don't think that's going to move one direction or another for quite a while. But the Sixers are going to wait this out. They're going to see the dust settle on free agency. The Clippers are still the team that, one, James wants to go to, and two, I think has pretty significant interest in in bringing James over there. So they're going to be tied together the rest of the summer the same way that Dame Lillard Lillard and the Heat will be for the rest of the summer. And I don't know, man. I wish I could tell you, yeah, they're going to get this and he's going to get traded on this day or for this package and all that. But I I think it's, it's not the same as the Ben Simmons situation because it's not as combative. I think it's more rooted in, James wants to win, felt disrespected and what have you by what happened with the contract stuff, but was not like, a, oh, I'm going to just never play for you again for multiple years. It's a guy on an expiring contract who has a shelf life for his career at this point in his mid-30s who has some urgency to get where he needs to go. So we'll see what happens. So obviously, as we started with, I was not at the Michael Rubin party, Kyle's going to take care of that for next year. So I wasn't there for all those photos. So it could be these photos. They did a shot and they said, Hey man, it was great playing with you. Let's enjoy a good night together. But I also think you could look at those photos and I think they're important in the way that one, one thing with Harden, and I probably said this on the last pod was, if you look at when he wanted out of Houston, he caused a bit of a scene to get to Brooklyn, wanted to get out of Brooklyn, caused a bit of a scene to get to Philly. I think a key difference here is this, and and correct me if you think I'm I'm wrong. I still think James wants to be in Philadelphia. Would he prefer to play for LA because maybe he feels more wanted there and he feels kind of burned by Daryl? Yeah, I think that's probably part of it. But he's already opted in. He's on his one-year deal. He clearly is still friendly with Joel, Tobias, Tyrese, and I can't imagine he has a bad relationship with Nick Nurse off of one meeting. He knows he can win here. I don't think I think he has a way better chance to win in Philadelphia than he does uh, with the Clippers. I think the West. I just don't see the Clippers doing it. So I think if he were to you know take a month, take a month and a half, and get over what has happened, and maybe he does have a right to be upset. Maybe Daryl did kind of backhand promise him some money last year, and now it didn't happen. Whatever. 
But I think there's just a major difference between James wanted out of those places because he no longer wanted to play there. Now I think he only wants out because he didn't get his money. I still think he enjoys being a sixer to an extent. So I do view it as more than a 15 or 20% chance because if Daryl is going to hold strong for a good return, and he should, by the way, he shouldn't just trade, just trade him. If he's going to hold strong for that, I just wonder if James eventually will go, all right, you know what? I, I, I like playing here. I have a chance to win. I don't have to move. Maybe I'll just come back. Yeah, I think to your point that the players on the team, I don't think have done anything to make James mad, right? We yeah. could read between the lines with what he's saying reportedly about wanting more offensive freedom, that some of that is that, look, Joel has to get however many touches and he's the center of the offense and so on and so forth, that those are not shots at him, but sort of indirect shots at him just in the way that the team is set up. Mm -hmm. But I do think good relationships with Joel, Tobias, Tyrese, all the, all the important guys on the current team. So if it comes down to, there's just not a trade out there and he's got to try to look so much of this comes down to, what does James Harden's next deal look like? Because the decision to opt in now puts him in a position where he can't really afford to just not show up and put on, like, as people have been joking, put on the fat suit and show up yes. to training camp. And I know that it's a, it's a credible threat. And we've gone over that with Harden, that this is a guy you take seriously when he says he's not happy and doesn't want to be somewhere because he's shown multiple times that when he doesn't want to be somewhere, he'll force his way out. But I think it's important in both of those two situations, Houston, you could say he ran out of rope there. The team was rebuilding, like clearly transitioning into the next phase that he didn't want to be part of. And in Brooklyn, there were very visible and obvious issues with Kyrie Irving specifically his commitment to the team and winning and, and what have you. And I mean, his, Willingness to go to Phoenix and play with Kevin Durant that was reported earlier in the offseason. That suggests to you that was basically only a Kyrie thing, Kyrie. right? That that him and Durant are still on pretty good terms, all things considered. So a lot of the prior issues have been connected to a player or multiple players where that's not the problem here. And so if you do run into a situation where the offers aren't there and you take this into camp, I think Joel maybe Nick Nurse, maybe Tobias can at least get him to say, I'm going to do what I can while I'm here, while they continue to work on stuff in the background. Maybe that's naive and maybe that's a misunderstanding of who James Harden has shown himself to be. I think regardless, even if he puts on a good face, it's not going to make it any better in terms of the public discourse on this. I think people are so sick of him, not just around okay. here, but nationally that it's going to be a constant story. And I think that's where it'll get exhausting that the players try to put on a good face and say, we're not thinking about Ben Simmons and this and that during that whole season, but it's human nature, man. When you're getting asked the same questions about the same person who's not even playing for the team over and over again, that wears on you. And eventually it just, there's only so much you but can take. I think a key difference with the Ben Simmons thing was, and I know he was there for a few days, but he wasn't really around the team. And again, correct me if I'm wrong, you were covering it. Like it wasn't, I know he was, I guess, in the weight room and things like that. But I think if James came to training camp, James would play. James would be on the court. James would be playing in the game. So I think that would be one major difference. But I also think 
Another difference is, so let's say Lillard gets traded. My guess is if Harden's going to stay, there will be some type of like tweet or, you know, maybe you'd, I, maybe you'll get the report saying like, hey, they've mended bridges. They're back. They're going to, they're going to play together next year. I just don't really envision a world where they go to training camp. They're in Nick Nurse's first training camp and there's still reports every day about Harden potentially coming or going. I think if he if he is in, and my guess is they're not going to do training camp in Charleston this year, but let's say they do do it in Charleston or wherever they do it. If he's there, then I think it's fine. I don't think there will be that distraction that there was uh, with Ben. Now, if James comes back and is still somewhat upset and things go ugly, like let's say they get off to a slow start or he's not happy with his role in the team, that's where I think you could you could run into some trouble. But as far as the fan stuff and the distraction, like I got news for the Sixers. That ain't going anywhere until you get out of the second round. I talk <laughs> to Sixers fans on WAP. You do on, on Twitter or, or our new Blue Sky profiles. They are mad. <laughs> that is not going away. Like that, you can trade James. You can do whatever. The total reaction to this team is going to be, you guys are losers until you get out of the second round. So while I do think sometimes fan opinion should be taken into consideration by teams to an extent, like the Sixers can't do that here because they are not winning anybody over until they get out of the second round. I agree with you, but I think it's, there's a distinction between they're going to get skeptic type questions about their play regardless. It's different to be like, like if James is pitching a fit or, or doing whatever and trying to get himself out of there, derailing the team, however you want to frame it. Getting asked about that every day and uh, do you think that the team should trade him? Do you want this to be over? What kind of player do you think you guys need? Like those are questions that those guys frankly don't really want to answer and have to talk mm-hmm. about. And not that they want to answer a lot of different questions right. that are uh, putting them on the spot me. like that. But I just think that's a different brand of annoyance that these guys don't want to have to deal with. Well, I, again, this is all so far off. This is, we are, again, two and a half months, if not more, away from any of this really mattering when James would walk into camp. But, I do think, do think to your point about, like, I think it could at least go for the next month. Like, I, I don't know what the urgency is right. if you're the, like the for example if you're the clippers what what's your urgency to get something done now if anything they want this to run as close to training camp as possible because if james does come in and start fucking shit up and saying fuck this organization i don't want to be here joel and beads a loser dow right. mori promised me money under the table what like whatever it is that only the only person that that gives an advantage to are the teams that are looking to acquire him. So the Clippers, maybe the Knicks, if the Heat for whatever reason don't acquire Dame Lillard, maybe Miami. Anybody that wants to acquire James could just sit here and look at it like a ticking time bomb and say, "Well, we don't need him to show. We don't need him to be on our roster in late August. That that doesn't make a difference yeah. to them, right?" So. I think the motivation on the outside is to take this as long as possible because then you might get him at a real bargain rate compared to now where Sixers are still asking for a high price. It probably won't get met, but it might get closer to that because there's at least some theoretical competition. But the the tough thing for the Sixers is they're kind of in a holding pattern. Like they're losing guys. They brought in Pat Beverly, which we can talk about. 
But Harden feels like a massive thing for this team in terms of figuring out the rest of the offseason. So do the Sixers really want to go till whenever training camp starts and then trade Harden the day before? That feels like not a good situation for this team overall. So I think the Sixers, if they're willing to hold it out that long, at that point, and again, if Harden throws a fit, maybe it is what it is. At that point, I think their heels will be dug in even more of like, no, we're not trading this guy. We just went a full offseason with this. Well, that's kind of the problem is that I don't know that they're ever going to have full leverage in this situation unless it, he truly shows I'm willing and want to come back on some level. All the options are bad because if you just let it go right now, we're seeing some of the consequences of that. They're not making moves right. because you can't know what you're going to get back for James. I mean, you can know what the offers are. And I would say they probably know at this point that if they were to trade him tomorrow to L.A., for example, you're not getting a star back. You're probably getting multiple role players back and picks back and that yeah. sort of deal. And so you don't want to fill out your roster and put guys on guaranteed deals. And then in two weeks, you make a trade and you wake up and say, well, now we got to cut this guy or we got to let a young player go or whatever they have to do to make the roster space. So they're kind of paralyzed right now because of that. And then they could get put over a barrel again in the fall. Like this is not, I don't think a great position for them to be in. So really the only way out is for there to be a concrete sign from James himself that, yeah, coming back here is acceptable to him. And so that's why I think it could take a while because that's going to take real work. That's going to take him and Daryl Morey, getting into a room, getting on the phone, whatever it is, and having some serious conversations. Because it certainly seems like between James and his representation, they have beef with how all this was handled by the front office and so on and so forth. And so that has to be hashed out. You figure out, okay, what's the path forward from here? And even if it's just PR spin and you just say it, even though you don't mean it, there has to be some sort of convincing move or statement from Harden for them to create real trade leverage, if that's what they're trying to do. Yeah, I just, the, if the, like, again, to bring it back to Ben, when Ben was, was here, his issue was with Joel, and it was with Doc. It was with people that he was interacting with on the practice court. And I know Daryl's around the team, but Daryl's not in the huddle. Daryl's not in the locker room, you know, enduring meaningful moments. So I think, you could get over that quicker. I do, I do wonder, and I'll put my tinfoil hat on here. Like, is there a chance Daryl played this perfectly where he got James Harden to opt in? The only thing he has to do now is smooth over that relationship, which seems frankly a lot more doable than other stars that won out. And then he's got Harden on a one-year deal. He's got him and Toby as expirings. Like this kind, if they can get Harden to be in a good mood about this and come back, this kind of worked out the best you could have hoped for. Well, having Harden on the short-term deal is great in a lot of ways having him on a short-term deal where he's actually pleased to play for your basketball team obviously would have been get over it. the am best I outcome am i understanding I, how mad he is i just think this seems so easy to get over like he's locked in on the deal he's not going to get the money in la in theory yeah but look I, if i knew what drove james harden we wouldn't have spent months talking about if he's going to go to houston maybe we'd be at the right party if you were friends with him uh, you know, <laughs> probably not ever going to be friends with old Jimbo if I had to no, guess. I don't but, see that happening. But look, man, you never know what's going to happen here. I think 
they're going to play this out as long as it needs to in order to either maximize the return or get James back, and we'll let the chips fall where they may. So the last kind of poker chip here, the last big piece that the Sixers are at least publicly saying they're fine holding on to is Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris was was also at the party in the pitchers. Uh, it's funny, there's this one picture of him, Joel, and James where it looks like he's kind of pulling everyone together for a group hug, and it's like, Man, look at Tobias now, the team leader once again, pulling together everyone to bring this back. But a reaction to that pick was from Sixers fans, they might really run this back. They might bring Tobias back. They might bring Harden back. The, you know, they're obviously not going to trade Joel. They keep Tyrese. So Tobias feels like a piece as well that is, all right, maybe they will run this back. Let me ask you this. How real do you think the Sixers threat is of running this thing back? Do you really think they are willing to do so? Or is all these pieces combined? Maybe they're being real about Tyrese, maybe Harden. But overall, this roster, from a starting five perspective, not just the depth pieces, but the, the main pieces of the team, do you think they, they are really willing to run this thing back? For sure. If they don't think yeah. that there's a better option, whether that's via trade, who they can pick up that's left in free agency, I don't think they're just going to make a trade just to do it. I, I think... Again, if you go back to where we started with Maxi, you're not going to say to Maxi and his agent, we're not extending you because we want to potentially sign a Max guy next offseason and then we'll take care of you, so on and so forth. And then you flip Tobias Harris for, you know, we'll call it bad money over the long term over a couple contracts. And then you eat into that space and it's like, well, we potentially pissed off Maxi who's a better and more important player than whoever you're bringing back for Harris. And then on top of that, killing yourself in free agency next season. Like that's, then you're just losing every single battle at the mm -hmm. same time. So I think Harris is important on a lot of levels, right? Like we talked about if they want to flip a contract for a big chip out there, that he's the guy that they have to move. Now Harden being in the trade marketplace now, changes that a little bit, right? You can use right. his salary and do some creative things depending on but you're what probably kind of not return trading you get from Harden. him. You're probably not trading Harden for another star, right? No. Like maybe it's a three-team deal, but Toby's your star piece. That's like your, your contract to get a star. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll see on Tobias. I, I think certainly if they were able to upgrade the team, maybe get some better fitting pieces because of him, then sure. But I think... As from where we sit right now, it's also hard to trade Tobias not knowing what you're getting back for James. I think it's all kind of going to come together at once, right? If you trade James and you get guards, like heavy guards into the rotation, well, then what sense does it make to try to trade Tobias for mm -hmm. if they're available guards or vice versa? You trade James for wings and forwards, well, then you have a a log jam there and it makes a lot more sense. Let's see what you can do with Tobias and get some guard help behind Maxi, maybe in the starting lineup, whatever you're going to do. The James Harden ship and, and what they do with that essentially controls the entire rest of the the off season and the roster building situation. And we haven't really brought up his name to this point, by the way, so much of this depends on, what is Joel Embiid going to be happy yeah. with? And, and I'm not saying that he's in these front office meetings or anything of that nature. 
But I think it's important to note that if you were to trade James Harden, who will say he's a dollar and you're turning him into, you know, one quarter and a few dimes, mm-hmm. Joel Embiid has to be okay with that. He has to be willing to say, yeah, we're going to take on expiring contracts and role players and essentially just kick this season and hope that Maxi makes a big jump in the hopes that free agency is helpful next offseason. Because otherwise, you could be looking at a situation where at Christmas they're under 500 or they're not good enough. And Joel looks around and is like, what the fuck am I doing here? And that's kind of the big thing. And so that's where I think they need to really turn their attention to throughout this offseason is not just what are we getting back for, for Harden, but also is what we're getting back from Harden going to appease the guy who really matters to this organization. So it's my fault for not starting with this. We got to talk about the watcher tweet, right? I mean, that that is what you're talking <laughs> about. The, the tweet from Joel Embiid. To me, it's pretty obvious. Like it's a, I'm watching what's going on here. Do something type thing. But what did you think of the tweet? Well, I enjoyed all the people who were like, it's a show on Netflix. I know. It doesn't I said, yeah, mean like, anything. On. And I was yeah. like, you guys are, Joel has tweeted how many times in the last, you know, here. I actually, I'll pull I, up his feed while we're on the podcast. Yeah, I think it's like about three times. Yeah. There's a Tour de France one that he had, uh, which I think is obviously just about the Tour de France. So Tour um, de France earlier that day. And then the last one before that was when he won MVP and lifted the trophy on May 7th. Yeah. And you so guys are telling me as the Sixers are sitting around in free agency and all this is happening, that Joel is watching the Netflix show and that's what he decided to tweet about. I, I don't think so. So All right. So what do you think of the tweet? It's interesting. I don't know what to make of it because, it look, there are all kinds of inside jokes and nicknames and various things that that could be referring to he's watching Harden or he's watching Maury or whatever it is. But the fact that he was just sending one of my favorite tweets of all time is there's a guy that described how different NFL players at different positions tweet. And Mm -hmm. it's like the tight end says derp and the (laughs) wide receiver says, uh, your enemy is behind you holding a knife and just like weird cryptic shit. And so Joel tweeting like a wide receiver does. I got a real kick out of that. <laughs> it makes sense for Joel. I can't see. tell you what I, I would make of it at the moment. I just think it's notable that he's saying things that are not, that are saying things, but are not saying things at the same time. Well, and this is what at times has frustrated me about Joel when he tweets something that is very clearly for attention in the way of like, there's a message here. And then afterwards, he's like, oh, I was just watching The Watcher on Netflix, which is probably what he'll say when pe- when he's asked about this. Joel is too smart. I've been around Joel. You're around him way more. He's too smart not to know how this is going to be perceived. So I absolutely think it was something along the lines of, yeah, I'm like, go do something go do something. And I think there's been a lot of national NFL uh, NBA guys as well that have like hinted at, Hey, like this could be, he could be someone that asks out Tim uh, Bonteps. I'm pronouncing that correctly was on yeah. the Hoops collective with Brian Windhorst and said, essentially like an informed opinion of, Hey, Joel, like he, like he is aware of that. He needs something to happen here. And maybe he'll ask out. So I think that it's not at the point yet where the Sixers have to be worried about it. But I'll tie this back into Daryl Morey and, and, and Harden. 
This is why I think that the Harden thing probably won't stretch out maybe as far as you do. I think there'll be a resolution, whether that be a statement saying, hey, we're going to come, he's going to come back or a trade. Because as much as Daryl has earned the reputation of being someone that will wait this thing out, he did it with Ben, he's doing it with Toby, he's earned that right. I also think Daryl is a good general manager and realizes, because you've said it repeatedly, and you know basketball, like this whole seat, this whole offseason is tied to Harden. You can't just ride this thing out unless you're serious about bringing him back. So I do think when you combine Joel wanting to see something happen, and maybe that something is Harden coming back with the fact that so much of the offseason is tied to it, with the fact that Nick Nurse probably wants to not go into training camp knowing one of his best players could be traded at any moment. I think this Harden thing is going to, to, within two weeks, there will be some type of resolution, whether it is, hey, he's back, or hey, he's going to be traded. Well, one thing that supports that idea is that every executive in the league will be in Las Vegas for summer league coming up. And so there are a lot of opportunities for people to get into small rooms together, sit at the blackjack table together, whatever, wherever you want to potentially construct a deal and, you know, kind of figure stuff like that out. So there will be a lot of discussions in the desert in Las Vegas, and we will see if anything comes from that. The last thing I'll say before we move to their only signing of the offseason is I am okay with running it back. Like I am. I think they're good enough to win a title as constructed. If you look at the continuity, I think it matters to bring that back. Very few teams throw it together. So while I understand the panic from Sixers fans that are frustrated with the team, I don't have that same do something, do something, do something. And I don't think the Sixers will be motivated by that either. I mean, Nick Nurse could be the difference between them beating Boston in game six and then going on to, in my belief, the title. Couldn't even but, win a summer league game, Elliot. Come on. When you talk. I, hey, I really <laughs> um, respect the fact. I like the fact he's coaching the summer league. Like, I think that yeah, is a legit, cool. a legit, really good thing to see from him. I don't know if he's going to coach in Vegas or not. Uh, they left that open to, mm. it might be another person steps in at that point. But yeah, I think at least to, especially in the case of somebody like Jaden Springer, who I, I think there were a lot of people around here who were like, Doc never gave him a chance and things like that. Yeah. So for Nick to at least go to Utah and be like, hey, I'm I'm going to spend some time with this kid specifically and certainly the rest of the guys, but of former first round pick who's still young, who might be, you know, competing for rotation minutes at some point. I think that's some good due diligence and, you know, we'll see if anything comes from it, but not, uh, not the worst movies ever done. I'd say that. So I'll save my Jade, my Jaden Springer take for after, after these next two games, we're going to see him play. Not super impressed by him as much as Turk Smith is like my kind of player. Springer is the exact opposite of like what I value in a player, but, but, but I'll let him play two more summer league games before I write his career off. We'll say We'll save two more uh, for those. So the one move they did make uh, is bringing in Patrick Beverly. Um, what do you think of it? I mean, from a content perspective, it's amazing. This guy is going to be unbelievable uh, for you. Like being around him, the podcast is going to be much li- uh, must listen now. Cause I do think he talks about like real stuff on there and is not just some PR fluff machine. I think he'll legitimately talk about the team. Uh, he already has said that he thinks Doc Rivers, well, he talked to Doc Rivers and Doc said you should go there. Interesting nugget. He said, you'll be great with James. Take that for what it is. But what do you think of the signing? I think it would have been much better like four years ago, personally. 
I mean, it's much is, like most of the Sixers, I guess. Which is kind of the problem here. I will say this. He's good culture guy, certainly. Competitive guy. Going to get after it on defense. He's going to hold people accountable, quote unquote, which I always all, find interesting. All the dogs now. All the yeah. dogs. I always find that overblown when it's like, if the guy's not good enough to play regular rotation minutes, then it, it doesn't really matter. But he's yeah. got to be good enough. It's the same thing with PJ. Like PJ had credibility in the playoffs because he actually made strong contributions to the team during that part of the season. Yeah, he was on the court when Joel needed to be pressed. Which yeah. Is a big Whereas the rest of the year, it was kind of up for debate whether he was going to actually be on the floor in the fourth quarter sometimes. Mm. So that was that was an issue. Uh, I would say the big thing with Beverly, he's just got to hit shots, right? where he was a 38, 39, at times 40% shooter during the middle portion of his career. And the wheels have kind of come off for him there the last couple of seasons. Now, maybe you could say he's going to get good quality looks playing off of somebody like Embiid. If James Harden were to come back, he certainly played with him before. And so that's a natural, he knows what to do, where to be, how he's got to play in that style of offense. But that's kind of a, a gigantic if, as we already discussed on the podcast. So it's a minimum signing, though. At the end of the day, I, I'm dubious he's going to make a positive impact on the team at this point. But it's no real risk. Minimum guy. If he doesn't play well, you bench him. Or I would hope you do. And, and that's kind of on Nick Nurse to figure out, right? If If Beverly's not good enough. And the choices between playing Beverly or playing a younger guy that maybe has some upside, well, you're going to get to see if Nick Nurse leans toward the veteran who people know and the young guy, because I think a lot of people automatically assume, well, he's not Doc Rivers, so he's just going to do the things I want a coach to do yeah. rather than what most coaches do. When if you look at what happened in Toronto and the type of players he trusted, in a lot of cases, the young players got the shaft in favor of older, more experienced players. So. We'll see how much patience uh, Nurse has for him. But again, I think if Beverly shoots, then he will get on the floor. Because I think defensively, while he has lost a step, maybe a couple steps, he's still going to compete hard enough and is crafty and, frankly, annoying enough that he'll do the job. There. Right. So I do think from a from a perspective of if they do bring James back, you have – Tyrese and Tyrese gives effort on defense and James did at time in the playoffs, but having like a smaller guard, like that can be pesky is a little different than having Tucker. You now have someone on the perimeter that can get into people's face. And look, we've seen Tucker, not a regular season player. So maybe if Beverly does shoot well and he's on the court, he can be that kind of pesky guy during the regular season. He's already got me in some trouble. When I found out he was on the team, I was on the beach and I was like, let me look up his stats real quick. I saw that he was, I think, like 35 36% at one point in his career. I was like, all right, he's a pretty good shooter. Needless to say, Twitter jumped all over me for about four or five hours. I had to issue a retraction saying he's not a good shooter, but he does have history, to your point, of being that. So if he can be a pesky defender, if he can make, uh, make shots from deep, if he can improve his shooting back to what it was, I think he can be a good signing. And he's also a win-now player. This is a team that's going to be playing playoff games. They're presumably going to be playing in the second round, if not deeper. And I think he's ready for that. So as much as people want young players to play, they also want them to win big pressure playoff games. And I think Beverly is definitely not afraid of those moments. 
I see we just got a comment, by the way, that says that the most obvious deal for the Sixers is a three-team deal that sends DeRozan to Philadelphia. Uh, I'm not going to say this with 100% confidence. I think there's very little chance that Daryl Morey is flipping James Harden in a deal for DeMar DeRozan specifically. That's yeah. my, I would say, semi-informed take on the subject. I think... If you just simply think about the type of shots that Daryl Morey has tried to emphasize throughout his career, and you look at the type of shots that DeMar DeRozan has taken throughout Mm -hmm. his career, they are not very compatible. And I think that if you're just trying to think of this through the lens of Daryl Morey, I think he would view that as a significant step back for the team and a significant step back to their title chances, even if... The alternative is you're trading him directly to the Clippers and getting, you know, role players back. I just think he probably views that and the future flexibility upside, et cetera, as a superior route to, hey, we're going to have DeRozan for a year on the team. And and he's kind of the the second guy next to Embiid. I don't I don't suspect that's a route that he wants to go down. Well, first off, shout out to VBirds10 for the comment. Shout out to you for seeing it and, and answering. So you don't think DeRozan, but there was some online chatter and speculation. And yes, I tweeted out a gif of him, which certainly got the ball, the ball rolling. But what do you think of Zach Levine? Do you think that's a realistic possibility or you think too long of a contract? I think the contract is bad. And I think if we're reading between the lines, if they're, they want free agency space next summer, or at least... I shouldn't say free agent. It should just be flexibility, right? They could take take a big contract in in a trade or whatever it is. I just think with Levine's contract, now maybe you get them for nothing. You can flip. You trade Harden. You trade some stuff for Levine, but you're able to keep more role players, keep picks, whatever it is. You keep Maxi. Then, okay, maybe you could talk yourself into, all right, let's, you take the shot on Levine and hope for him to be better next to a real star in Joel Embiid. But even still, I just, I don't, I haven't gotten a strong indication that they're after those Bulls guys, but that also depends on what Chicago's price ends up being for those guys. So you said something earlier and we talked about this, but I wanted to circle back to it. because I thought it was interesting. You said that they're not just going to make a trade just to make a trade. I think that some fans are in the boat of it's not just making a trade to make a trade. You need to break this core up. Like Joel and James are not going to win together. Toby is not getting it done. So I'm just curious where, like I hear flexibility and I hear that they are probably willing to run this thing back. And then if it doesn't work next off season, you're basically rebuilding the entire thing because Harden's a free agent. Toby's a free agent. You have all the cap space. Who knows what happens with Joel? So when you say make a trade to make a trade, I guess do we both agree that internally the Sixers feel very differently about this team than the public does? Or do you think the Sixers also look and go, hey, like we can't, like this isn't working in the way the fans do? I kind of think what you see is what you get with Maury to some extent. Now, behind the scenes, he'll say all kinds of stuff to other executives, what have you, if it works to his advantage. But in terms of... Mm -hmm what his message is with saying, well, does it matter if we lose in the second round versus the championship? Like you still didn't win a championship. He said that like at press conferences, that's been his public stance. 
And so I, I think their belief was they lost to a very good team in the second round. And I don't think they're going to say, well, we need to tear it down to the studs or James Harden's not worth anything because they lost that series. They would sit there and counter with James Harden won us two games against that yeah. very good and still ascending team in the Boston Celtics. And so we're not going to just sit here and be like, well, this team sucks. It won 50 plus games yet again, but we need to tear it down and, and do something different for the sake of doing something different. I don't think that's how he's wired. I don't think that's how he's approaching this offseason. Again, I look, there's always spin to it, right? It always is advantageous to the team to talk up their guys saying, no, we're not just making a deal to make a deal. And that teams that are actively shopping players say the same thing. But I don't think that if they had won that one more game I, and they get to the conference finals, I think that would have been a bigger deal to people like you, like the fans, like me, as somebody who covers the team, than maybe it was to Maury specifically. Mm -hmm. And I think he's not going, he holds pretty deep convictions. And I think what he's going to do or who he's going to trade players for is based on, you know, big picture, wide lens type stuff and not, they lost game seven and they went home at a certain time. But that's, yeah, I mean, I, and I understand that's a frustrating thing for fans to hear and for him, for him to think that way, but that's, that's how he has always operated. And that's why, you know, even though I myself find it hard to believe that they wouldn't trade Toby and that they wouldn't trade Maxi for Lillard and that they're, you know, whatever. I think that they also might sit in the Sixers practice facility up in, you know, Maury's office and go, Hey, this is a great situation we're in. We have a team we believe can win a title that with a new head coach has continuity and will seriously compete next year. And then we also have an off season a year from now where we're not locked into them at all. So I do actually think, well, as much as we can say it's all posturing and there's part of it, they probably are just like, yeah, this is great. We're not going to trade Toby or Harden or Maxi, unless you really give us something great. If we get something great for them, fine. Any team would do a great trade, but otherwise we'll run this thing back. We'll count on nurse and then we'll rebuild it next year. So to kind of wrap up where we started the pod, do I believe they would trade Maxi for Lillard? Probably, but I really do genuinely feel they think their situation is it is a great one. Their contracts are in a good spot. The expirings are there, all those things. So yeah, I, as much as I think we'll get resolutions, I think also they could very well, like the team we saw party in the Hamptons could very well be the team that starts training camp. Yeah, I just, I don't see the pressure to do something right this second. But mm -hmm. I where I would disagree with the organizational stance is that they are probably going to need a little more urgency than they've showed up to this point. Now we'll see, again, plenty of time left. Nothing matters until they actually take the floor and have to start becoming a team later yeah. this year. But uh, there's some work left to do, that's for sure. Well, and hopefully some of that work comes out soon so that we have something fresh to talk about, whether it's a new free agent, a Harden room, or something. Like, come on, Daryl, you don't you don't have to do make, make moves just to make them, but do make them for content, which is a good way to make decisions sometimes. So we will be back. Uh, the Sixers play tonight is Wednesday. They play tonight and tomorrow, I believe you said. So maybe Friday we'll be back. Some new rumors. Talk about the uh, the young guys. I'll can big summer why. league breakdown podcast. I was going to say I can explain to you why I think Turk Smith is probably going to be the sixth man of the year this year in the NBA. 
And we'll uh, talk about whether, what, about whether Ricky Council will ever be a good offensive player. So that'll be on the next Clap Your Hands. Uh, hopefully Fridays when we'll have that one out for you. Uh, until then, make sure you have that Odyssey app. Make sure you download it and get that auto download. Leave us a five-star review if you if you would like. Right now, the latest five-star review is very mean to me. It would be nice to have a new one so I didn't have to see it every morning when I uploaded to check the reviews. But I'm not begging. I am kind of begging. But go leave that five-star review. And uh, make sure you're reading Kyle on phillyvoice.com and listen to me on WIP. And uh, Kyle, I'll talk to you next time. Talk to you guys soon.